Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Father, we thank you, thank you this morning that your presence is filling this house to full capacity. Let it be a full house of your presence, Lord, a full house of your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Awesome. Let's give it up for the musicians. They've done so well. Prophecy, uh, I'm talking about fresh anointing. I'd love to be able to talk about give some context of, um, I've talked about the anointing and laid some basic stuff about what it is, uh, but I'd love to give some context about our, our giftedness in relation to being an anointing, just our basic giftedness being an anointing, a grace gift they would call it. And so, um, but I want to tell you a couple of uh, incidences of some people and ministries that were really uh, anointed um, and did some ex- extraordinary stuff for God, and I think you'll be blessed with that. The whole deal about this message is it's these days that we need to be anointed. We're seeing people fall out of church, fall out of the Bible, fall out of the presence of God because they're not anointed. Amen? You need to be anointed. Jesus said, don't do anything, don't have a, don't do anything, don't try and do a connect group, don't read your Bible, just pray and seek God and ask for the anointing, and they did, Acts 1.8, awesome, here's a prophecy, in order for you to get the rest of the way, in order for the entire body of Christ to get the rest of the way, everyone must be clothed with my ability, my virtue, my power, and my anointing. There are some yokes that you will encounter that cannot be broken with your own natural abilities, but it's going to require me and my abilities to break them down. You must have my anointing. So God's plan is for us to be anointed. God's plan as a Christian is for us to be freshly anointed. But we've got a lot of people who go, yesterday's revelation, yesterday's word, but yesterday's anointing, and you need to have today's anointing. God has anointed you to seek the truth. God has anointed you to resist the devil. God has anointed you to preach the word, to witness to your friends, to come to church, but to fellowship with God. God's anointed you. Last week, we talked about the anointing, how priests were set apart with the anointing. We talked about how kings were consecrated to be kings. Talked about Saul there. The prophets were anointed to prophesy. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Who likes that? And the anointing became acquainted with the Holy Spirit. Wherever the anointing was, the power of the Holy Spirit just seemingly came on that, especially in the New Testament when when Jesus sent the 70 out and, and they laid hands on the sick and they anointed these sick people. Seemingly, the Holy Spirit came, bang, right there, boom. That's why we still have anointing oil. We can place that back there. It might be in my bag just to show people we got got anointing oil. 
I love what Rodney used to say. We'd go into uh, meetings, and Rodney Howe Brown is a world-renowned revivalist, evangelist, and years ago, when we were sitting, sitting under his ministry 20 years ago, he used to talk about the anointing oil. And he'd go to churches, and he'd say, can I have the anointing oil? And they'd go, oh, where is it? And they'd find it, and it was, they'd dig it out from the closet or something, and it was rancid. It was, because oil can go off, amen? Oil can go off. And, uh, but this oil was made in the Holy Land. It's not vegetable oil, by the way, and it's not olive oil, and it's got a child-safe juice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a child. You can't get into the kingdom unless you're a child, guys. So that's, that's just a little test. We want everyone to do that little test later on just to see. <laughs> Press down. The anointing oil, this oil, is what we, we actually buy it from the Holy Land. And it's, uh, oh, Frank, thank you. Frank, this is, uh, <laughs> thank you very much. This has just got a tiny tiny little bit and it's got the ingredients in there it's actually the this is this is the good stuff man this is the good stuff i'm going to take this to my masseuse down there and they're going to anoint me i mean massage me with this stuff this is awesome this is some people use olive oil no we don't we use the real stuff it costs us a little bit but it's worth it and it's symbolic yes but in in physical terms when the 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 people were uh, anointed the priests and kings and prophets were anointed um, it definitely did something, and it still does something now in Jesus' name. So the anointing became closely connected to the Holy Spirit. The anointing was a physical application, a smearing on in the Old Testament. Um, the, anointing, uh, uh, the anointing enabled Elijah to challenge the prophets of Baal without fear on Mount Carmel. Let's do this. 1 Kings 18. Where did our time go, guys? What did you just do? That was the longest baby dedication or something, or the great giving met Julius you, wasn't it? 1 Kings 18.36, 1 Kings, I think I'll just have to crunch this now because our time is nearly gone, but 1 Kings 18.36, this is a guy who's anointed. So we got these uh, prophets running, uh, I mean, uh, prophets of Baal, you know, devil worshippers getting around the place, and Elijah, the prophet, takes them to task. And he challenges them. He's in the anointing. He's got the anointing on him. 1 Kings 18.36 says, At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. 37, answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turned their hearts back again. 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and burnt up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, also licked up the water in the trench. 39, then all the people saw this and they fell prostrate and cried out, the Lord, he's God, the Lord God, he is God. Imagine that day. That's, that's what, you know, that's what Elijah did. He took those foreign powers to task, and he said, well, we'll just do a little challenge here. He had this Holy Spirit boldness, this anointed boldness that came on him, and he went public in front of the whole nation, and he said, well, guess what? We're going to see who's God. Uh, the anointing is what allowed Stephen's face to shine, Acts 6.15, the face of an angel. <laughs> Stephen is virtually 
He's just about to be martyred, but he stands and delivers one of the great sermons in the New Testament. He's just about to be martyred and, and, and taken out, but he stands there in the anointing. You need the anointing. Some, you, you will need the anointing one day. Maybe you're doing all right in your safe Christianity now, but one day you will need the anointing when there is something, something that is of a crisis and uh, you got, you, you, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. Well, this is what Stephen uh, was happening. The, the face of an angel, his face shone like an angel. And the reason the Jews couldn't stand up against him, stand up against his wisdom or the spirit was by the Holy Spirit. They couldn't stand up against him because he had such wisdom, such authority. His countenance was of glory and, and the Pharisees just couldn't even touch him. Same reason Moses' face was radiant. Exodus 14, 13, when he came back down from the mountain, Mount Sinai, I guess, and uh, he came down shining, literally shining, because he had been in the presence of God. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. So it gives you great boldness, it gives you a, a, a composure to be able to stand and deliver. The anointing is also what enabled Peter and Peter had just denied Christ uh, several weeks earlier, and now he's preaching on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people are about to be saved. And Acts 3.6 says later, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Now, you've got to have Holy Spirit boldness to be able to say that to a cripple. Amen. You've got to have boldness. Say, get up and walk. Everyone's looking at you. Get up and walk. Silver and gold I do not have, but get up and walk. In that, you've got to have the anointing to do that. The anointing is uh, what we believe Martin Luther was functioning on. He could turn the world upside. He did turn the world upside down in the 16th century, and he stood alone in his claims when he said, we are justified by faith. And, uh, and the, basically, the Western world has never been the same. The anointing is the explanation for John Calvin's Institutes of Christian Religion, four volumes presented to the king, and uh, they were published all through Europe. And uh, they're probably the, gr the, the greatest uh, theological uh, understandings of the, the Protestant church. And, um, and, uh, and of course, we still, one guy says, he says, if you've read all the history books of the world, but you have not read Calvin's, the Institutes of Christian Religion, uh, you've, you're, reading, you're reading the history of the world with one eye shut. Whoa. The anointing is what gave courage to the Marian martyrs during the reign of Mary Tudor, Bloody Mary, if you know your history, 1553 uh, to 58, she reigned, and she was persecuting the Christians, and men gave their life by faith to the flames, and we've got an account here of Bishop Hugh Latimer and Bishop Nicholas Ridley. Latimer shouted back at Ridley, they're tied up at the stake, of course, fear not, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle in England that I trust shall never be put out. Oh my God. There's another account of John Bradford. You might know this one a bit better. And he says to his flames again, they're tied to the stake. And these are great days to be a Christian, of course. And, uh, and he says, be of good cheer, brother. We shall have a merry supper with the Lord tonight. You've got to be anointed to, to, to say such things like that. 
The anointing is what God, the anointing is what gave John Wesley and George, George Whitefield so many conversions that they preached in, when they preached in the field. It's what fell on Jonathan Edwards' hearers when he preached his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I've not read all that sermon. I've read a little bit. It's pretty, pretty strong to stomach, but it's an awesome sermon. And strong men were seen holding onto tree trunks, trying to, trying to stop themselves slipping away into hell. That's how much the conviction and the authority and the power was on that sort of sermon. It also came on thousands one Sunday morning at Cane Ridge, Kentucky in 1801, when an unknown lay preacher stood on a fallen tree, taking his text from 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and hundreds fell to the ground, and it is sometimes called the Cane Ridge Revival, America's second greatest revival. That's what the anointing can do. That's what the anointing can do for us. We talked about accepting our anointing last week. 1 John 2.20 basically says, you are anointed. You are, are anointed whether you like it or not. You've received the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit. It depends on how much of the Holy Spirit you want and how much of the anointing you want. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. 1 John 2.20, very significant, revolutionized my life when I first heard this through uh, Rodney Howard Brown in particular, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. As for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains in you. It's in there. If you're born again, you're in there. As it says uh, in this scripture in Romans 8, 9, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, the anointing, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit. We've all got that same spirit in us, amen? It's, it's about believing it, accepting it, and saying, Lord, I value it, and now I want more of it. Everyone has the anointing. Now, this is important. The apostle called the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11, we won't go there, the Greek word charismata really means grace gift. It is God's gift, which he graciously bestows on those who don't deserve it even. Paul compares these grace gifts, which we could call the anointings, to the parts of the human body. Now, some of these are high profile, some of these are low profile. But the Bible says not to be presumptuous to think that you need to have a high profile anointing and giftedness. If it's low profile, so be it. And I think Corinthians explains that, 1 Corinthians 12, 14. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. So I want to be up on stage like Pastor Phil, but I don't want to be doing these other menial tasks. Yeah, but hang on, let's put things in perspective and let's ask God what gift he's given to you and how you should function. 1 Corinthians 12, 16, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And again, there's some high profile and there's some lower profile. 12, 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So all those parts that this, Cameron, you're indispensable. 
Stand up, mighty man. Here he is. He's got challenges. Everyone knows that. But you're indispensable. And you don't have to be me. You don't have to be Andrew Flaxman playing a six-stringed lyre or instrument or guitar, whatever. You can, you can be who you are, and we, we accept that, and you need to accept it. You are anointed, and you can pull off some huge stuff for God if you just rest in that and believe in that. Besides your physical challenges, you need to, and you do that brilliantly. I've heard you give some um, conversation to someone, because someone was whinging in our church one day, and they're having a hissy fit, and, and I heard you say, well, man, if they're having a hissy fit, I should be, you know, I should be really upset, because look at me, man, look, look how challenged I am, but they're, they're able-bodied, they've got two arms, two legs, look, I don't see any physical impairment, and they're having a hissy fit, man, let, me, let them live my life for one day, and I thought that was brilliant, sit down, good buddy, you're awesome, yeah, he knows what's going on, he's not silly. Even non-Christians have an anointing. We call it certain gifts or common grace. John Calvin would call it common grace. John, Cal John Calvin actually did call it special grace within nature. So these are people who are unsaved, but they've got gifts. Hello? Who's the guy that did the iPhone stuff? And, and then there's Bill Gates, and then there's you know, musicians and geniuses and scientists that are unsaved, but they've been given special gifts. So I want to make a little delineation, and that'll bring me up nicely to a point here. So Calvin, John Calvin, he's the guru of apologetics, uh, you know, uh, the theology that we believe in. He says, even to the unsaved, there is grace. Just common grace. Explain that, Pastor Phil. I will. Jesus said that God causes, Matthew 5.45, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That's why some of you people like unsaved bands, because they're awesome. <laughs> but they're unsaved, Pastor Phil. In the 80s, if they were unsaved, they were, they were deemed unlistenable. We threw all our albums away. I had 700 albums, and I trashed them all, because... Eric Clapton wasn't saved, supposedly, but he is. And Black Sabbath are not saved, but Ozzy Osbourne could be actually... He, don't laugh, but Ozzy Osbourne could be a, a God-fearer anyway. I, I think he fears God. And, and so we threw all these albums away because we thought, well, they're not saved. How can we listen to them? But there's a grace on them. There's, they've got giftedness, amen? He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. James says it like this, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. These gifts are from God to our unsaved friends. Register that. Understand that. This person is gifted, but they're not a Christian. Should I, should I you know, admire them? Yeah, you can, because they're still gifted. Even Einstein, Einstein apparently had an IQ of 212. Average IQ is 100. And a genius is 130, but he had 212. Although, again, I say, I think he ended up becoming a Christian or God-fearer. I read, I read um, a story of him, this um, Anton Curti, yeah. And I'm trying to make uh, this comparison of having uh, what John Calvin says is our... Uh, common grace, uh, just these gifts that even the unsaved have, 
And, um, but the thing is, is that um, even for the best of us, even geniuses like Anton, uh, you know, our, our common grace can get us by and we can do magnificent things uh, in all realms of life, in all spheres of life. But uh, unfortunately for Anton this week, we're not sure what happened, but he was taken to hospital mid-recital. Kurt, uh, 75, had been performing uh, from uh, on stage since he was a child, I think 11 years of age. Canadian pianist Anton Curti has been taken to hospital after falling ill during a recital in Florida. According to eyewitnesses, Curti became disorientated. Now, this guy's a genius, an absolute genius, all right? So, according to eyewitnesses, Curti became disorientated and started repeatedly playing the same passage. One of the audience members, who's also a pianist, actually went up to the stage and put his arm around him, said concert, Alan, someone. He tried to find out what was wrong, and Curdy started again. He simply was trapped. The fellow musician, San Diego, uh, San Diego Rodriguez, uh, professor of keyboard performance at the Frost School of Music, eventually coaxed Curdy off stage at the intermission was called. During the intermission, Curdy was seen by paramedics and taken to hospital by ambulance. He did not return. The Austrian-born pianist has been performing live almost all of his life, having first taken to the stage with the Boston Pop Orchestra at the age of 11. As a soloist, he has specialized in Beethoven, frequently playing the composer's entire cycle of 32 sonatas and all five of his concertos. And 97 US classical music magazine fanfare called him the best pianist currently playing, and he was made an officer of the Order of Canada the following year. BBC Radio also named him one of the 50 great pianists in 2012. Now at 75, he was performing at the Coral uh, Gables Congregational Church in Miami where he was taken ill. Audience member Dorothy Heinemann said the pianist spoke intelligently and humorously before the recital, which focused on Beethoven's lesser-known works. He stayed playing Ronda in G major, op 41, number 29, with an exceptionally clear tone she added, and his reputation of the closing theme, and his reputation of the closing theme was initially interpreted as a private musical joke. But Curdy's growing disorientation and numerous stops and starts during the second or the eleventh uh, piece there uh, signaled clearly to the large audience that something was terribly wrong. And uh, I, I love this scripture where it says, Deuteronomy 33:25. The bolts of your gates will be iron and bronze, and your strength will equal your days. You know, we, we've even seen some great people um, even burn out and, and pull up short. And, and, and uh, this, this story really touched my heart uh, for some reason. I just thought I'd use it uh, in the sense of, look, even the best of us need the anointing. E even the most gifted, most genius need the anointing. And we, we, need, we need to rely on God ultimately. God is our strength. He is our fortress. He is our strong tower. Ecclesiastes 2.24, a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see it from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? A little a little uh, poem here it says there is some place for you to fill now this is about people who don't have high profile like Anton and like others but you just know 
And you've got to know that you have an anointing, you have a gift, you have a giftedness. And this poem is for you. There is some place for you to fill, some work for you to do that no one can or ever will do quite as well as you. I may lay close along your way some homely little duty that only needs your touch, your sway to blossom into beauty. I still love this Old Testament scripture and I still believe it's still true today that we still need fresh anointing, that we still need God's spirit. Zechariah 4, 6, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord, Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord Almighty. Gidgets and gadgets and just, just even grace, maybe not gonna get you through, but I wanna make the point, it's the anointing. It's the anointing that gives you that supernatural strength. Even I was thinking about Elijah, um, Elijah outrunning the chariot. Um, uh, just God able to anoint you to do extravagant feats of, of, of whatever God is planning for you to do. Uh, this is real. Samson picking up the city gates and walking off with them. God wants us to give an anointing so that we can, in, in low, profile, low profile stuff and high profile stuff, do his bidding. God wants to give you that anointing. Jesus said, it flows from our spirit. John 7, 38, nearly done. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. But this he meant, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Just think, church, let's all stand, God bless you, of the potential that you could have in God as you allow God to anoint you, to pray, to read your word, to be guided by the Spirit. Imagine the potential you could fulfill in God as you become anointed. He wants to teach you, He wants to guide you, He wants to show you. I honestly believe we need to believe in the anointing like never before. Let's pray right now. Father, we pray for a revival of the anointing upon our church meetings, upon every gathering. I pray for the anointing upon our Bible reading, upon our prayers to you, upon our devotion to you. I pray the anointing, Lord, on our walk in you, in the Spirit. I pray the anointing on our business endeavors, on our mothering, our fathering, our parenting. I pray the anointing upon our children to make good decisions in a fallen world. I pray the anointing upon our ministers to hear God and speak the word of the Lord boldly. And I pray that you would give us strength for all our days to do your bidding. Like Caleb, who said, give me that mountain, Joshua. Give me that mountain. There's still enough fight in me. There's still enough faith in me to do your bidding. And Caleb was 80, 84 years of age. I want to be strong to the end of the day. And Lord, you said, even in my daily work, you want me to enjoy that. Even in my daily life, you want me to enjoy that, that you would give me strength. So I'm praying for everyone in the house to be anointed in their daily duties. That you wouldn't be even, even washing up. I pray for the men 
that they would be anointed to do the washing up. To do the lawn, that they wouldn't get around begrudgingly, pushing that mower around, but they would get around in the spirit of the Lord and do it gladly unto the Lord. Men would get up in the morning and greet their wife with a kiss and say, I'm so glad to be alive. I'm going to work. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back and we're going to have a great meal and we're going to do great stuff and you need to be anointed just to do daily life. So Father, right now I pray, Holy Spirit, anoint us. Close your eyes. Anoint us, Lord. Fresh oil anointing. Send a revival into our hearts, into our church. Let it begin with me, Lord God. Let it begin with me, Lord God. I'm saved. Yes, I'm saved, Lord. But I need the anointing, the Bible says. You need the anointing. So this day today, I pray that you would find a moment in this day to pause your life in the presence of the Lord and feel the warm oil of the Lord upon your soul, upon your heart. Jesus. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.